Love and Mercy found a little six-year-old boy September 7th, 1987. And it's changed my life forever. Thank you so much. And uh, if you don't know him, man, you are sure missing out. I want you to turn your Bibles today to Revelation chapter 2. And and I realize that we're about to go into a study of Revelation in our Sunday school literature. I want to just throw a few ideas out at you today from a passage about a church that we don't discuss a whole lot uh, when we go through the book of Revelation. And that is the church of Pergamos that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, and uh, we will begin our reading right there, Revelation 2, 12 through 17. Uh, the heading in my Bible says, The Compromising Church, and uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about today what that compromise actually was. Uh, to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works, and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat and will give to him a white stone and on the stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You know, it's funny how we let things slide sometimes in our life. You know, these people in Pergamos, they'd, they'd let a few things slide. Let me give an example. If I wake up tomorrow morning and realize I've got 10 or 15 minutes to get calling off to school, I can guarantee you this, his teeth will be brushed, he will have clothes on, he might have his hair in place, and then I might have 30 seconds or so to look in the mirror myself. Now, now, if, if school was in session, if you were in the car line next to us and you look from my neck down, I'm probably going to be in my pajamas. Don't tell me you have it. Raise your hand if you've done it. No, don't raise your hand. Uh, but, but, you know, it's funny the different things that we... I, I, I got one back there. Um, it's funny the things that we let slide sometimes. I don't know what hour it is that a lady thinks, this is the perfect time to wear my yoga pants to Walmart. But, 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 you know, you've seen it, right? And it's just like, no, uh, 11, you need to wait till after 11 p.m. I'll show you a few pictures. Have you seen this, this thing that they put on the Internet? You talk about people letting things slide. Uh, people of Walmart, this guy is Hawaiian out. What about, what about this guy? Oh, pajama pants, shirtless. No. Oh, wow. That had to take a lot of work. Oh, the adult onesie. Nice move. More adult onesies, okay. Okay, what I love about this guy, not only is he dressed completely in yellow, what's he buying there? Bananas, yeah, that's great. This is a genius idea. You know, you think this is bad, but just consider the alternative, right? You know, you, you, you take a piece of rope out of the back of your pickup truck, right? And, and, and do the Andre the Giant thing or the Bobby Heenan thing and, and, and pull it over one shoulder. Not a bad idea. This guy, oh, 
Some of these guys don't know who this is. This is me at 11 years old. And that is what's known as a Brooks and Dunn flame shirt. All right. And uh, these things were popular for about six months, and we stretched it to about three years. Uh, so, so anyway, this is, this is kind of the way. You know, when you see somebody that's sometimes dressed funny, not that we would judge anybody. You came in here, you come in your best clothes, and, 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 and God loves you, and we love you, and we are glad you're here. And it's not up to us to judge people by what they wear. But just consider somebody, and I, and I know a particular person who comes in almost every Sunday morning with their tie sticking out from under their collar. You might have been sitting across uh, uh, in Sunday school this morning from a lady, and when she started talking, you realized half of her breakfast was left in her teeth. And you just want to say, you know, you need to go take a long look in the mirror. Go take a long look in the mirror. Oh, man. You know the thing about mirrors is probably that, that last moment before we walk out the door to get in our car is, is, is probably, uh, that last look in the mirror is probably as good as we're going to look all day. I mean, who says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to mow the lawn. I'll have grass and dirt all over me, but I'm going to look better than I do right now when I'm looking in the mirror. Nobody says that because mirrors play tricks on us. These people that we read about in Scripture, the people of Pergamos, took a long look in the mirror and they must have thought they were in great shape. You know, they, had, they were willing to die for Jesus Christ. They had a martyr, and I like the way that Jesus said it. His name was Antipas. He had not, not the Antipas that we read about elsewhere, but the man's name was Antipas. And he said, Antipas was my faithful martyr. And even in the days when he was being killed, you guys kept the faith in this city where Satan's throne is. And the reason he calls it Satan's throne is it's, it's kind of like uh, the, the city of Pergamos was kind of like the city of Athens. There was a big hill there, and that's where they had all the temples to the gods. In fact, they had a, a huge altar to Zeus. So is, is that what he means by where Satan's throne is? I'm not sure, but, but definitely the people there were doing some, some pretty evil things. But these folks at Pergamos said, I'm willing to die for Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, 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 I, I'm holding true to the basics of the Christian faith. No doubt, you know, Jesus applauded them actually for their faithfulness. They, they held a, a surely that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on the cross for their sins, that he was resurrected on the third day, that he was their Savior and Lord, that he he was coming back. But guess what? Jesus was not looking at these people, and he doesn't look at us either, through the reflection of a mirror. No, Jesus has got something else. I'm full of props and pictures today. You like that, right? It's like Jesus watches us with a video camera. Could you imagine him going to this early church service and the, and the people of Pergamos had, had come together and they had come together in one accord to worship and as they come through the back doors of the church, he's like, oh, there's Mr. Smith. Oh, it's so good to see him today. Oh, there's Miss Jones. Oh, she's been sick lately. It's good to see her back in my house. Oh, look, oh, there's little Billy Washer. Oh, he's so cute dressed up today. And, and as all the people come in, he, he has to get quiet because the music starts. And the people start to sing. And he's like, you love me? Oh, thank you. Praise me? Oh, wow. I don't deserve that. Well, actually, I, I really deserve that. But thank you. Thank you so much for praising me. And, he, and he's falling. And, and, and then you get down to the end of the service and there's people on the altar. And they're praying. And they're seeking the Lord's will. And he says, oh, I so want to do that for you. Oh, just wait, honey. I'm working on that right now. You've been struggling with that for so long. And I'm about to take care of it. Just hold on a little longer. Oh, 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 you over here. Oh, you're committing yourself in a great way. And I'm going to see that through for you. I'm going to answer that prayer. And, and, and he is just so impressed by everything that he sees. And then he follows them out the door. 
And he's with them Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And he's like, what the, no, 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 don't, do, you're not, oh, he did it, he did it. Why did you do that? Don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Why did she have to say that? Here's the opportunity and, and, it, and it's gone. And then he followed them to their houses. And, and, and he saw, who, who is, what, what is he doing in her house? What is she doing in his house? And he follows them back and, 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 and the door to the bedroom gets shut. And he's going, these can't be the same people that I saw when they were coming together to worship. Because they act like they love me on a Sunday. But the way that they live during the week is totally different. Yeah, I'm sure the news spread far and wide when this guy was martyred, this guy named Antipas, and, and maybe, uh, maybe people from that church could go to a different city and, and, uh, uh, and, and folks would say, hey, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Where are you from? I'm from Pergamos. And people are like, whoa, you're, you're a hardcore Christian. You're willing to die for Jesus. But I just picture Jesus having an argument with these people as they look at themselves in the mirror and as they say, I'm a bona fide, born again, child of God, soldier in the army, of the Lord. I'm willing to die for Jesus if need be. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And Jesus is just standing over their shoulder saying, you're willing to die for me? I just wish you were willing to live for me. Well, Jesus, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I mean, uh, uh, are you saying that I'm not good enough? And Jesus says, no, that's not the situation. It, you're good enough. Don't I love you? Didn't I save you? Didn't I justify you? Didn't I make you new? Didn't I pour my spirit into you when you got saved? What I don't get is why you want to live your earthly life as a slave to sin. Oh, sin, I thought that, 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 that you died for my sins and that I was free from sin. Yes, you're right. You're free from sin, but you're not free to sin. But I thought I was no longer under the law. But does that put you above the law? Does that put you above grace? But you've said in your word, there is therefore now no condemnation. And Jesus says, yet you choose to condemn yourself to this meaningless earthly existence. Why would you settle for second best when I want to give you more? Don't you at least feel some sense of responsibility to honor anything other than your flesh? But Jesus, okay, here's the truth, Jesus. I just want all the lost people all over the world to know that they're my brothers and sisters and they're not so different, them and me. The only thing different about me is that I've trusted in you as my Savior. And Jesus says, I'm glad I'm that important to you. I want to show the world that you are not the same that you are different, that you are special, that I called you out of darkness into my marvelous light, never to be the same again, never to be like the world again. My blood was not shared for this, shed for this bare minimum kind of life. My blood was shed that you would be whole, that you would be complete, that you would have life more abundantly. Oh, Jesus... I am so sorry. Don't worry, child. There's still time to get it right. Aren't you so glad for God's mercy?
Aren't you glad? I mean, that song, Mercy Saw Me, moves me every time. We can be up in the choir room rehearsing it and missing notes, and it's just the words because none of us deserves the mercy and the grace that God, not, not only before we were saved and all that stuff we did back then, but he deals with us on a daily basis. And I am so glad, you know, some of us can identify with this issue of being confused over sin. And here's what we do. We say, God, is this, is this a sin? Or, you know, we'll be praying, God, is this a sin or is this not a sin? Not a sin. Okay, well, I'm under grace, so, so it's okay for me to do. Oh, 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 then you get feeling real bad. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. That's, that's a sin. And then we go back and we say, wait, well, maybe, maybe that's not so bad after all. Oh, oh, wait, oh, ooh, I'm feeling really bad about that. But maybe and we just keep going back and forth and arguing with God about what is sin and what's not. And that's the bare minimum of being a Christian. God didn't save you just to give you and me a, 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 a meter, a, a right and wrong meter. Right? He saved us to do great things with us. And he, he, he created us in such a way we were, we were talking about in Sunday school. He created you the way that you are to do his perfect will in your life and in my life. And that's an awesome thing to, to think about. So, so when Jesus puts us on the spot about our sin, we don't need to be going back and forth. We need to say, yes, Lord, I receive it. Show me the next step. Here's the next thing that I get from this scripture. And when, when, you, when you go through the book of Revelation, you have this picture of a holy, 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 holy God. And, and rightfully so and fittingly so. But he's also such a merciful God. And he does not enjoy or get kicks out of chastising us. Do you think he does? Of course he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. Just uh, uh, the other day, I guess it was yesterday, um, my daughter Kate, she's two years old, and she's starting to talk, and her life was a lot easier before she got that mouth on her. And 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 uh, we were talking. Uh, Carrie and I were talking about how we were going to start to have to amp up her discipline and and maybe change some things that we we're doing. And uh, we didn't know, but but Colin here overheard that. And 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 Colin goes, Kate's going to get spankings. Kate's going to get spankings. And, and and he's 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 kind of gloating that that that, that she's going to be moving into the same kind of discipline system that he's in. Kate's going to get spankings. And and my mom said something that was so wise. And she said, Colin, you think your mom and dad enjoy spanking you? Of course we don't. Man, it makes us want to cry. Isn't that what she said? It makes us want to cry. And sometimes we think about it for the rest of the day. And sometimes we think about it for two or three days. And, and we go on and on. And that's how Jesus is with us. He does not enjoy chastising us. But why does he do it then? Because he's protecting our future. He wants us in his will. He knows the best will, just like, just like I know. You know, Daddy knows best. Just, just like I know what's best for Colin at this point in his life. Jesus knows what's best for us. He doesn't enjoy chastising us, but he has to do it sometime to get us on the right track. So here's what he did. Um, he gave these people who had... Let's, let me tell you what these people had done. They were so in their sin. In fact, they weren't living any differently than they did before they were Christians. That's what the things that they were doing, the adultery, the eating things, sacrificed to idols that the Scripture talks about. All those things that they were doing was the same exact things that they were doing before they were supposedly changed and, and saved and, and born again. 
And, and they, they, they got in, so engaged and enthralled by those things that they started adapting their theology to fit their behavior. It's like, I want to go out and sin, so let's try to make the Bible read in a way that allows me to do that. That's just, that's crazy kind of thinking. Man, I know a pastor who did that once, and, and I sat down with him, and, 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 and I said, you know what, there's some things in, in the, your articles of faith in your church that, that I know widely your church does not ascribe to. And, and, and his idea wasn't that, he didn't say, well, we need to pray about that, we, we, we need to preach about that and teach about that and why we, why we do this and why we don't do that. His response was, then we need to change our articles of faith which just floored me because that's exactly what Jesus is, the kind of thing he says. I hate that kind of thing. Anybody that says something that God says, this is sin, and they say, no, it's not. God says, I hate that kind of thing. Jesus says, I, I can't stand that kind of thing. Now, we've all got sin, and I believe all sin, and, and the Bible points to this, is covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. That anybody who repents and believes, no matter what they have done, can receive God's forgiveness and love and mercy. But it's not for you and me to reinvent the law and to say something that God says we can't do, we can, or say something that we can do that we can't. We have to follow God's word to the best of our abilities. Um, but here's what Jesus did. He showed them what they need to do was to go back. That's what we need to do. When we mess up and when we're struggling with a certain area, you know, my, the thing with, with, with the mirror, sometimes we think we look so good and everything is in place, but we all have blind spots, don't we? We all have things that, that we're not aware of sometimes, and sometimes God brings those things to the surface. And, he, and, and when he does, it's like, God, that's just what I needed. That's what's going to help me get beyond where I am now to where it is that you want me to go. But God says, uh, uh, you need to repent. And then he says, here's, and here's the first step that you guys need to do. He says, you have got to get rid of these people who are, who are teaching the false doctrines. You know, we want to open the doors and re- receive everybody, but somebody who is teaching something is false, Jesus says, this, this is like a cancer that gr- will grow on you and, and, and will influence you in a terrible way. So, so, so make sure that you, you cut out the people who teach false doctrine. Make sure you repent and go back because not only am I seeing the things that you do, I'm also able to hear the things you say and also this. Not only does he see our actions and he hears us, he's got a pretty good idea of what's in our heart too. Think about that. You know, even our thoughts, he knows them. So we want to bring those things as much as we can. I was, I was reading about some of the forefathers uh, just the other day. Even Ben Franklin had a list of, of how well that he was doing spiritually based on how he gave in to temptations. And, and, and he, would, he had a list that he would check off every day. He would had a list that he'd check off at the end of every week. And we need to bring ourselves, we need a clearer view of ourselves than what we currently have. We need to learn to see ourselves through the eyes of God. Here's the deal. Believers, even if you're struggling with something right now, and he's in your heart, he knows you love him. He knows you desire to serve him. 
He knows that, that you have given yourself over to him to be used. To be, and I like to, to be used up. I don't want to be, uh, when I depart this earth, I don't want to have anything left over to give. Right? I don't want to have anything left over. I want to be used totally up for Jesus. That way I can be sure that when I walk through those gates, when I stand before the judgment, that he's going to say, well done, well done. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to have to hear great job. I don't need a trophy, don't need a crown. I just want to hear, well done. And believers, um, he knows what's in your heart. Maybe there's somebody in here today and he's just saying, you just need to take that step forward. You know, I told you a long time ago there's something you needed to do and you didn't do it. Maybe you need to take a step back and pick up where we left off. Maybe you've been limiting your faith and you need to believe more for what God's going to do in your life. Maybe that's the deal. Or maybe you're an unbeliever. Guess what? Jesus knows what's in your heart too. He knows about the questions. He knows about the sin. He knows about all of that. He loves you despite how you look. He loves you despite what anybody's ever said about you, what anybody's ever done to you, what you've ever done. He loves you and he says, come on into the family. Come on in, the water is fine. You know, but can't you put your trust in a Jesus who would love you that much? He knows your heart. He knows that, you know, what, whatever, he, he, whatever God would ever tell you, he, he wants you to know this. You can trust him. And the best thing to do is obey him and lead all the consequences up to him. That's what we're going to be studying about in Bible school this week. Actually, a lot of, a lot of what we're studying in Bible school is about no matter what, we're going to listen to the voice of God. We're going to do what He says when He says do it. Whatever the consequences may be, we're going to follow Him. Man, I, I, I'm sure after these people heard this word from their Savior, they repented and they turned around. They had to. Otherwise, Jesus said, you guys are in a deep mess if you don't deal with this. Whatever God's asking you to deal with today, I just pray as we have this invitation time, Brother David, if you come forward, and, and Jason, as we have an invitation time, God wants to deal with you. He wants to do. You wouldn't be here if he didn't want to work on your heart. So won't you just ask him a few questions. What is it that you want to do in me today? What is it that you want to show me? What step do I need to take? Is there sin that's holding me back? Is there a lack of faith that's holding me back? What is it? What do I need to do? Or maybe it's, Jesus, I've, I want to put my faith and trust in you and I want to make it publicly known that I stand on your side. Maybe that's your prayer today. Whatever it is, we're going to open up this altar for anybody who wants to pray. Anybody, and, and, and I've done this before and I, and I know you guys do too. I say, oh Lord, I can pray right here just fine. I don't have to go up there. But you know what? Jesus really likes surrender. I don't know why that is. He likes us just to be totally surrendered to him. And if that's what he's asking you to do, don't put him off. Allow him to work in your heart. While we stand, we're going to have this song. Whatever God is telling you, just listen. If he's, you say he's not telling me anything, then ask him, what do you want? What do you want from me? Because I belong to you. You purchased me. You bought me. So, so what is it that I can do for you as we have this song? Come just as you are. Come.